0: Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus, in Christ, we gather for his glory, for our good, for our growth, for our equipping, for the making of disciples, for your kingdom's advance and expansion. Father, these are weighty realities, and this text, this Ephesians 3 text, is a weighty text dealing with the ultimate reality. I pray, please, that you would help us to pay attention. We pray against the enemy, his works, his effects, his plans, his schemes. Um, We ask that, Holy Spirit, you would take over now. And even this atmosphere, even this presence, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and be near us, help us, change us, transform us. May we not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us, please, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's... Let's jump in. So we're in Ephesians 3, 7 to 13. We have been traveling through the book of Ephesians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we love to do that as a church because we believe that God speaks in His Word. So as the Word is read, you are hearing God speaking to you. It's that real. As the Word of God is properly explained, text in context, you are hearing God's Word to you. This is weighty. This is real. We need God to speak to us. We don't figure him out. We don't stumble upon him. Rather, he comes and reveals himself to us. He reaches down for us, and this is what's happening right now. God is revealing himself to us. This is weighty. This is important. So, Paul the apostle, once Saul, the persecutor of this gospel, says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in, could be translated by God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, be now, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is... Your glory. We're gonna first look at verses seven and eight. And remember, this is connected to verses one to six. Okay, so don't, don't forget that we're following a letter, we're following a trajectory. Only later, after the letter was written, was there verses and chapters added to help us with referencing. Okay, so this is one continuous flow in thought. And Paul has gone from our riches in Christ before the foundation of the world. The gospel and our sealing by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals Christians uh, until the day of redemption. He's our down payment of our guaranteed inheritance. Paul talked about salvation in chapter 2, 1 through about 10. And then he gets into God's purpose in taking Jew and Gentile, breaking down all barriers that would divide us, and rather, he is unifying us. This theme of unity in Christ is still happening in chapter 3. And so last week, we talked about unity in Christ. This week, we will continue to talk about our unity in Christ. Gospel is good news. Good news is not a message about what you must do. Rather, it's a message about what God has already done. It's news. It's not a to-do list. Let's not forget that. The gospel is not you must do A, B, D, C, D. No, it's God has done all And we must tell others that there is a way to be right with God. And it has nothing to do with you doing anything. It's God has made a way by himself. We simply turn to him from our sin to him. It's news. Okay, so gospel means good news. Let's not get it twisted. And Paul says, of this good news, I was made a minister I was made a proclaimer. I was made a deliverer. I was a sent one. That's what apostle means. According to the gift of God's grace. Now, Paul himself sees his being sent by Jesus himself as a gift. So that means, listen, the ministries that you have, every Christian is a minister. We say this all the time. I want you to memorize it. I will say it again. Oftentimes, churches exist like this. There's a few pastors, there's a few leaders, and everybody thinks of them as doing all the ministry for everybody else. You exist, pastor, leaders of church, to minister to me. Listen, that's not biblical. Biblical is in chapter four, we're going to get to it, and it's that the leaders of churches exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So rather you should see myself and Eddie and the deacons as equippers of you the ministers. Paul here says I was made a minister by the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 4 says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Whoever is doing ministry is a what? Minister. Say it. Minister. I was waiting and all you're like, "What? Minister. If you're doing ministry, you're a minister. Paul says, I was a minister of this good news. My mission, Paul says, is to proclaim and to tell this good news to the Gentiles, to non-Jews specifically. And he sees it as a gift. And so I want you to just think about you for a moment. Just think about you for a moment. Do you know how God has gifted you and uniquely designed you and uniquely crafted you to do ministry? because you're a minister, whether you like it or not. You've been called by God to do ministry. Every Christian is a minister. You realize that? If you don't know how God has equipped you or called you, we want to help you. Eddie and I are, are dedicated to helping you find out how God has gifted you so that you might also do ministry, which is the definition of being a minister, we exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and I, I plan on taking a long time when we get to that text. But for now, it's enough to say, do you see yourself as a minister, and do you know how God has uniquely and equipped you? Because if you don't know that, you're not going to recognize the doors that might be open in front of you. Why did we go to Africa and start working in Uganda with Pastor Jimmy? Because the door opened for us. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew what we were called to do. We didn't know who to do it with or how to do it, and a door opened, and we said, oh, this might, this might be God. Let's see if we can go through the door. We went through the door, and another door opened, and, and we're still going through doors that are opening, okay? But if you don't even know how you're uniquely gifted and crafted by God, you don't even know what door to go through. You're just looking at all the doors like, which one? They started step one, okay? And then let, let's talk, okay? Please, Come talk to us and let's see where we can plug you in. And I don't mean plug you into like walking down the aisle with the offering. If that's the extent of your ministry, that's sad. (laughs) I'm talking about you making disciples who make disciples in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends. Listen, the ministry that happens here is simply equipping for you to go out and do ministry. I don't just mean in the worship gathering. Okay, enough, enough. I'm doing another sermon which was given me by the working of his power. We're going to see this in just a moment. Then verse eight, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Notice how Paul sees this call on his life as a gift. I mean, that's a unique way to see God's commissioning of you and I. We, some of us see it as a burden. Like, man, it's inconvenient. It, it messes your day up. It gets in the way of Steeler games. Eddie knows what I'm talking about. We were here. We didn't get to see the end of the game, which was epic, I heard. You get to see it on the highlight reel, right? Yeah. We can see ministry as getting in the way of my life, but that's a wrong understanding of your life. You were bought with a price, your life is not your own. <laughs> that's the way you should see your life, okay? We who are Christians live opposite of the way non-Christians live. We see ourselves differently than other people see. We don't get to define ourselves anymore as Christians. Well, this is who I am because my feelings, my internal sense says this is who I am. No, God gets to define you now, unfortunately, because you name the name of Jesus. Now, we can help you work through that how your feelings lie and how your inner sense and your inner voices lie to you and trick you and condemn you and and rock your world in a bad way. We, We can help you out of that, but God gets to define you if you're in Christ. You don't get to define you anymore. Okay? And he has called each of you to work for his kingdom in a unique way. And Paul says, This is a gift. This is a gift. This is a gift to me. In fact, he sees it as such a gift that he says, Though I'm the least of the saints, line all the Christians up in the world. I'm at the very back of the line. And God is so gracious to me to call me to work for his kingdom. That's how he sees himself. And for a lot of us, it's like, Man, I just don't got the time, you know? This grace was given. What's the grace? What's the commission? What's the gift that Paul sees? To preach to the Gentiles, non-Jews, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul knows something here that we don't know. He's a bit thrilled about getting the opportunity to tell people about the unsearchable, we'll get there, riches of Jesus. Now, what I want to do so that we can understand this verse 7 and 8, I want to look at Paul's testimony as he's about to be killed. You say, where is that? Well, it's in Acts chapter 22, and what happens is he is mobbed by those in the temple because they said he took a Gentile past the court of the Gentiles, and they literally start to pull him apart. Like they're grabbing his body in such a way and they're stretching him as he's about to be torn apart. And Rome steps in, grabs him, you could see them just elbowing and and they grab him and they basically put him on the shoulder and they get him away from this mob that is trying to kill him. And as he's going up the steps away from this raging mob, he says, hey, let me talk to them. And the soldier's like, well, you're this terrorist. He's like, I'm not a terrorist. I'm a Jew. And and he begins to explain, let me talk to them. Paul stands up after just getting mobbed. He's probably bleeding. He's probably spitting out blood. And he begins to speak to the crowd in their native tongue. And as soon as he starts speaking Hebrew, shh, silence. And all eyes are on him. And I want you to see these verses in this testimony. You ready? I know that's little text. I'm sorry. Get out your glasses. Brothers, this is Acts chapter 22, 1 to 11. Brothers and fathers. Remember, he's in front of a mob that just tried to kill him. And he calls them brothers and fathers. You are the same ethnicity as me. You're Jewish. Hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And said, and he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. He's like, I get what you're doing trying to kill me. I was you. I was in your shoes. In fact, I was brought up in the strictest discipline of our law. He was a Pharisee. I persecuted this way to the death. The way is Christianity, what we know as Christianity. Binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished." So imagine this. He's like, I can prove it. Ask those guys standing right there. They gave me the letters. They know me. Ask them who I am. Verse 6. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, To know His will. This is the grace gift. To know His will. To see the righteous one. And to hear a voice from His mouth. For you will be a witness for Him. To everyone, everyone. Of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on His name when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Who's speaking to him right now in this trance? Jesus. Get out. They will not accept your testimony. They're going to kill you. And I said, Lord, Lord, They themselves know that in synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. There it is. Of this gospel, this good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. You just saw it from his own mouth. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Why would he say that? Why would he say I'm the least of all the saints? Why do you think? Because of what he just described himself to be. I was hunting the saints. I was beating them, imprisoning them, giving authorization and approving of their killing. That's why I'm the least, but now I'm one of them. This is grace. This is a gift. Paul never lost sight of who he was and who God made him to be. Now that deserves a question for you. When I was asked recently at a pastor's event training for pastors, how do you keep your heart warm for God? You know what my answer was? when I get cold, when I get fed up, when I'm done, I remember who I was and God's radical power to change a wretch like me. And I know some of you were not as bad as I was, but some of you might have been worse. Encounters with police all the time, thieving from stores, plotting on people, disrespectful, pride oozing out of my mouth every time I spoke. And God said, you in your mess. I want you. And God radically changed me. And now 20 years later, I am more of a different person than I was the day I was born again. But when I think back to who I was, I'm disgusted. And I'm also thankful at the same time. Like, oh my God, I am really a new creature. For 2 Corinthians 5.17 is true experientially. If anyone's in Christ, he, she is a new creature, a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. (laughs) That's me. That's you. So the question is, do you ever think back to who you were before Jesus and then think, if Jesus had not come to my life, who would I be right now and where would I be? I'd probably be dead. I've been to many funerals of old friends who I was very close with. Many funerals I've been to. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, he's remembering who he was and how far God has brought him. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Remember the last verse in Acts 22. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. His commission right from the mouth of Jesus. Now, let's talk about verse 9. And to bring to light for everyone... For everyone, you must tell everyone of what you have seen and heard. To bring to light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in, well, you could translate that by God. Hidden for ages purposefully by God. And if it was hidden by him, it was hidden in him as well. He's the one who has the mystery in himself. And he gets to reveal it when he wants, to who he wants. And that's exactly what he did. He revealed it to the apostles and prophets, we learned who created all things. Now, Paul's going big here. So let, let's think for just a moment. To bring to light, what does that mean? That means something's hidden, something's in the dark, and you take a light and you shine it on it. You know, we, we see a lot of ugly in the world by means of our cell phones now, don't we? It gets posted on social media, it goes viral, and we're like, wow, I had no idea these types of things were happening. And, and media, by means of cell phone cameras. Everyone has a camera on them all the time. Things are being brought to light that I think are really helpful all over the world. All over the world. Lights are being shined. And Paul's saying to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So Paul now is saying, I am going to reveal the mystery And I'm going to tell everyone about it. What's the mystery? Do you remember from last week? Does anyone remember? No? So the mystery that Paul is referring to is that there will be one people of God and they will be in Christ as a head. There will be one body. No matter what tribe, what language, what tongue, what nation, God is making one person. God is in the business of now unifying Every ethnicity, every language, every people, every nation. Friends, God is up to something massive, and guess who's in the middle of it? We are. We are. We, as the body of Christ, are reconciled to be reconcilers of all peoples. And, and, and from my vantage point right here, I'm seeing a bit of the ethnic reconciliation. And we want more. We just prayed for more ethnic reconciliation about an hour ago. We prayed that specifically. We want to see it. Why? Because this is what God is up to. This is the mystery. That in Jesus, not just a Jewish people, but every ethnicity. You know, Gentiles means everyone that's not Jewish. So I'm Irish and German. That's my ethnicity. God was reconciling me as a Gentile to himself. What ethnicity are you? God is reconciling all peoples to himself. And he's making, listen, not just individual Christians, but one new man, one people. You see that? That's what he's up to. That was the end of Ephesians 2. Now, to preach the things that are hidden. And I love that he says, God who created all things. Okay, now, now we, we're not blown away often when we read texts like that. Okay, but you can read on the fourth day of creation that God made the lights and put them in the expanse of the heaven. You guys familiar with Genesis chapter one? And it says that he made the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. What is he talking about? the sun and the moon. And then just in a little, you know, a couple words, and the stars. Just a little offhand comment. Now, Now, if you know anything about the stars, that should rock your world. And let me just talk about the next galaxy that's close to us. Do you know what the next galaxy close to our solar system is? We're in the Milky Way. It's called the Canis Major Dwarf Galaxy. It is 25,000 light years from our solar system. 25,000 light years from, what does that mean? Light travels 186,000 miles a second. A second. So light traveling at 186,000 miles in a second would take 25,000 years to get to the nearest galaxy to our solar system. Now wait, that, that should blow you up. But wait, you realize that that there's billions of galaxies. Each themselves containing billions of stars. Our st- our star is a yellow dwarf star, a little one. And yet without it, we're done. We're we're just we're just we're gone. If the sun goes out, existence on earth goes out. And what's being said here, is that God created all things. And yet, what is God up to in our little place in the universe? He's up to making something new. What? One new, if you will, ethnicity. Christian. Whoa, that was interesting. (laughs) Think about this. God is making a Christian ethnicity, if you will. One new man, one new body, one new people. Now that doesn't erase our distinctions. But it is interesting that in Galatians, Paul says, there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew, Gentile, for we're all one in Christ. Now, that verse doesn't say there are no more male-female distinctions. There are no, uh, you know, ethnic distinctions. There are. But what he's saying is those no longer are the dividing line for us. We're rather now unified in Christ more than we're divided by anything else. You realize that. God is making one new Christianity. One new people. I love this. This is big. And let's go here. Paul is bringing this to light for everyone. This is the mystery. That in Jesus, God is putting together a new humanity. And that there are no, listen friends, there are no dividing lines that should keep us apart anymore. All dividing lines that we erect are more demonic than they are Christian. you realize that? Satan is in the business of conquering and dividing us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What God's up to in this present age is saying, no, it's now time for us to come together and be unified and be a one rather than let's divide. Now listen, you flip on the news, we don't see much unity, do we? No. You go on social media, yours even, with all your Christian friends, do I need to go on yours and inspect it for about two years? would I be happy? (laughs) I don't do that, by the way, but I just wonder. Are you more of a reconciler or a divider? Are you working more for the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God? I wonder. You see, God is up to something massive in our culture, and I wonder if we're opposing God (laughs) without even realizing it. I wonder. I hope not. What we've purposed to do as one of our four core commitments as Eternal City Church is to unify peoples. We're on God's mission to reconcile as we've been reconciled. So, so we could say it like this, racial reconciliation, ethnic reconciliation is God's direct implication of the gospel. It's, it's what comes right out of it immediately. What do you mean, Chris? What do you mean? Chris? as you're reconciled to God, you are, whether you like it or not, reconciled to all other believers. You're one with them. Whether you like it or not, it's a reality. And as Eddie said a couple weeks ago, now we need to become what we are. One. Reconciled. We need to work out and practice what we are spiritually. And listen, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Heaven is going to be like every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, together. Why not, why not have a little taste of that now? And I'm thankful that we are having a little taste of that now. How much more could we have? How much more could we have? That's what we're praying towards. Now, the unsearchable riches of Christ here at the end of verse 8 Is this? You need to think about this. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and power. How are we going to get this done practically? Jesus. He is the power behind this great mission of God. This mystery that's revealed now. He, he is how we do this. And so here's what I'm saying. Is your identity, what defines you, is it Jesus or is it something else very much smaller? So what I mean is this. What normally divides us in America is race or ethnicity, our economic status, our culture and subcultures, Where we live by zip code, our political views, the music preference, and on and on and on I could go. And we get all these divisions, all these opinions. Rather, God is is up to something way bigger. He's saying, no, those are all really small. And what I'm inviting you into is something much bigger. I get to define you now. You're in Christ. You're citizens of heaven your americanness all of us in here is now trumped by your citizen of heavenness that's beautiful now that's not to say we become anti-american anti-our ethnicity anti-our zip code anti-our culture and so sub- on i'm not saying that what i'm saying is when any of those things become the number one identity of you you are now going to look down on others it's inevitable if your maleness defines you, if your femaleness defines you, this is who I am. If your sexuality defines you, this is who I am. Now, if you're a Christian, you're in Christ first. All the other things define you. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Down the list. Are we are we together on that? Okay, that's how we're going to do this is that we have to see ourselves as in Christ first. And that is the unifier. That's it. And this great mystery is being heralded to the demonic realm as a sign of their destruction. I love this. Let's look at it. So that... Let's, let's, so that What? And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in and by God who created all things. Remember, God's creating something new. One new man. So that, now this is why God is doing it. This is what God's up to. We're getting insight into the plan and the purpose of God in this new thing He's doing. And remember, He created all things. He will succeed in creating this new thing that He's doing. So that through the church unbelievable. The church? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So listen, God's primary means of working in the world right now is where? Through the church. Now that doesn't mean in this building on Sundays. It's not what that means. Don't limit what God's doing to an hour on Sunday. Two hours. Three if I'm long-winded. I'm kidding. What this means is, you are the church. I am the church. When we gather, we are the church. When we scatter, we are still the church. This is why church membership is so important. Because you've said, yes, I'm a part of the church, and I'm committed to this local church, or that local church. And God is up to something through the church, so that through the church, God's manifold wisdom... God is wise beyond. All good and perfect gifts come down from above from the Father of heavenly lights, James 1.17. If there's any wisdom in you, if there's any understanding in you, if there's any insight in you, if there's any brilliance in you, if you have any gifting, where did it come from? God. God. He is the source of all the wisdom. And what God's doing is He's showing His power to the demonic realm... Because Satan can't accomplish what God's doing through the church. What do you mean? So if you were at the Steeler game today, you would have seen all ethnicities united under what? Black and gold. Terrible towels, right? Like like you're sitting next to different ethnicities and you're, you're waving the towel and you're like, this is great. But guess what? Take off the jersey and you're walking down the street and you see that same person and you're like, you're going to injure me? you going to hurt me? you going to rob me? Lock the door? I'm not going to your house for dinner. We can hang out at the bar at the game and drink a beer, but I'm not coming to your house for a beer. See what I'm saying? It's, it's very temporary. Satan can unify people under very temporary situation. But, but in the church, God is saying, not will they just be united on a Sunday night, but they will be united as a one new person. Satan can't accomplish that. And this is a sign to him of the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom on earth will look like. We will all be 100% unified, friends. No more divisions. No more attacking one another. No more putting yourself above others for any other identity. No more competition. No more feeling, I'm better than you because, fill in the blank. What I look like, where I live, what I have, where I go. None of that anymore. And God is starting that now in the church, through the church. And listen, here's what you need to know. Here's what I need to know. This is what God landed on me this week like a ton of bricks. Satan is very intent on destroying this sign of his destruction. You realize that. When the church dwells in unity, that is a sure sign of his defeat. Where do you think he wants to work to destroy us? He wants to divide us. He wants to put us against each other. He wants us to bite and devour one another. Dr. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist, the ERLC. And in a message called Black and White and Red All Over, which I highly recommend you Google and watch, he says this, the church is a living representative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not about coexistence. The kingdom of God is about reconciliation. And then he says, racial reconciliation is spiritual warfare. Have you ever thought about it that way? Why? Because when we are reconciled to one another, it's a sure sign that Jesus is in control here. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus is ruling here. That's the kingdom of God. Wherever the king is, wherever he's ruling, there you have the kingdom. When Jesus was casting out Satan, he said, if I cast out Satan, devils, demons, Satan, by the finger of God, then what? Then the kingdom of God is among you. It's upon you. It's here. And friends, when we see reconciliation happening through the church, unbelievable, through the church, the kingdom of heaven is upon us. Do you see that? And Satan hates it. So listen, it, it's so helpful for me to think, okay, this is why we have so many problems in the church. Because we have a great powerful enemy that is hell-bent on destroying us and especially destroying our unity. God does not want the gospel to be seen, lived out, or heard proclaimed. And when the church is proclaiming the gospel, we're a big threat. When the church is living out the implications of the gospel, reconciled and in unity, guess what? He is upset. And he will do whatever he can with all his might to destroy us. Why? You have to remember, it's a sign of his destruction. He hates looking at it. He hates to see us unified because that means he's done. He's finished. He can't win. He's powerless. Spiritual warfare. The church, one people, though many people, is itself assigned to the demonic authorities in the heavenly places of God's manifold wisdom and his kingdom reign. That's what this is saying. I love it. Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is what God has been up to since eternity past. This was his plan all along. It's just that it took the coming of Jesus, his living, his dying, his resurrecting, his sending of the Holy Spirit to empower the apostles who were prophets, to then proclaim the mystery. And here we are 2,000 years later, still proclaiming the mystery, that in Christ, all things find their purpose, reality, and head. That's what's happening here. Now, I want to talk very quickly, and I mean very quickly, about this heavenly places, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We'll get here in great detail in chapter six, but I just want to visit this really quickly. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Yet you would think from the outside looking in, that all we wrestle with is flesh and blood. But see, we're giving insight, given insight here into the unseen, non-material realm. And what we learn is there is opposition in your life, in the life of the church, in and towards the leaders of the church, in and towards the members of the church. And it's unseen. Therefore, we don't necessarily know where the punch is coming from when it happens. It's really hard to fight an enemy that you can't see and you don't know where he's coming from. Yet, look at this. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the schemes of the devil. Look down there at the bottom of the screen. Schemes in Greek is "methodia." It means methods. His methods. Crafted evil plan. Purposeful deceit. Destructive designs. We can stand against the plans, methods, designs of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That means this middle in between uh, creation, fall, redemption, recreation. We're in the cursed middle. We're in this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That heavenly places doesn't mean somewhere off in a distant galaxy. It means another dimension that spirits operate in that's not material. And it's here. It's present. They're probably in the room right now. Probably. They're probably right outside the door. They're probably in your house. And I'm not saying you should go get the holy water and sleep with your cross and and have the exorcist come over to your house. I'm not saying that. But what you need to know is you are targeted. This church is targeted. The leaders are targeted. The members are targeted. You have an enemy They're real. They're organized. And listen, this is what blows my mind. I listen to and read psychologists all the time in the realm of biblical counseling. And and there's certain brilliant psychologists out there that have been studying for maybe 50 years. And yet they could be with you for one hour and they have you nailed down. And and we're dealing with beings who have been studying humanity for countless years. they, They can be counted thousands. But imagine... Studying psychology for thousands of years. You think they can't read you like a book? You think they can't read our church like a a children's ABC novel ages zero to three? Friends, we need to realize we have an enemy. He is against us. He knows how to get you and me. And we need to know ourselves well so that we know where we're tempted, how we're tempted, and how he's going to put these schemes, methods against you and your family. Because listen, if you and your family's broken down and breaking, your relationships are broken and breaking down, guess what else is happening to the church as a whole? Well, a part of it is breaking down and broken. Now, times that by every family in the church, and the church is being destroyed. This is what's happening. So don't think of the church as a big group getting bombed. Rather, he's coming at you, me, your family, my family. And if he can break us, he is breaking the church. More on this when we get to Ephesians 6.10. One last thing. Oh, man, we are out of time. My guys in the back are saying, don't do it. Don't do it, man. They're shaking their heads. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. I won't do it. I won't do it. Let me just say this, and we'll, and we'll wrap it up. I, I recently passed by a universalist Unitarian church. How many of you guys have seen these things? Okay, There's several of them in Pittsburgh. Universalist Unitarian churches don't believe in God and believe in God. They have atheists and agnostics, and they have Buddhists and... Um, Hindus, and you could be whatever you want in a universalist Unitarian church, okay? And as I was passing by one not that long ago, there was a huge sign out front, huge sign, and, and here's what was on the sign. Black Lives Matter, pro-LGBTQ, women's rights, immigrants welcome, protect the environment, and, and on and on the agenda went, right? And, and what's happening here is We can gather this unity around these causes, which are not in themselves bad causes, all of them. But listen, Satan can rally people around a cause, but you do realize the church is rallied not around a cause, around a person. That's the difference. So we would say, yeah, black lives matter. Because we're made in the image of God and Jesus Christ has died for black lives. Do white lives and blue lives matter too? Absolutely. Why? Because they're made in the image of God and Jesus has died for all people, friends. You realize that? Okay? We find our reasons in Christ, not around certain issues. Okay, that being said, are you willing to lay down your favorite division. (laughs) That you might be unified to other people who might not think like you, who might not listen to the music you listen to, who might have way different political views than you do, who might be all about causes you're not all about. Okay? This is what Jesus is up to, unifying people. And listen, if this is what Jesus is up to, should we not expect there to be kind of a mess in the church? Shouldn't we expect some of our conversations to get a little bit heated? Shouldn't we expect there to be some kind of disagreement and disruption within the church? Now, what we must not do is when that happens, which it will happen and it has happened, we must not run from one another. If we do, what has happened? Satan is won. Rather, what we need to do is we stay unified in the disagreements. And that's a sign that Satan is defeated. That's what we do. How do we do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. Man, them kids are having fun back there. You hear that? You could tell that I'm going over when the kids are all having World War III back there. (laughs) I really wanted to take you to the Tower of Babel because an amazing thing happened. There was this anti-God movement, but the unity was so great The unity was so great that God said, you know what? If we let this go, they will accomplish whatever they want. And they're against God. Listen, what will happen if us, the church of Jesus Christ, gets so unified that we can accomplish whatever we put our purposes to? And our purpose is the salvation of of the nations, that disciples make disciples, that God's kingdom come and his will be done. We have the agenda. Maybe the problems were not unified enough. Maybe. Friends, we desperately need to be about reconciliation with one another. Because that's what God's up to. And expect there to be opposition. Because it's a sign of Satan's defeat. In whom we have boldness, access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. We have confident, bold access to the Father, which we're going to go to Him right now in communion. And that's only through our faith in Jesus. So for some of you, tonight's the night you need to place your faith, your trust in Jesus. And say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done living with me. I'm done with my sin. I'm done with my, my trap that I've lived in, my own cage. No, no come out, come to Jesus. And we have access to the Father, the creator of all things through Jesus. So Paul says to these Ephesians, I ask you not to lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't fret over what I'm suffering. What's he suffering? He's in prison as he's writing this. It's your glory. It's for you that I'm in here, literally. Because of his preaching the good news to the Gentiles, Paul is locked up in prison. We're going to celebrate what God has done in Christ. We celebrate here uh, at Eternal City the the Lord's Supper every week. We do that because we believe that uh, Jesus, person and work, is the center of the entire mission of God. It's the center of the Bible. And so we want to invite you, if you're a Christian tonight, to celebrate what Jesus has done. His body broken, his blood shed for you individually. But wait, to reconcile one new person. So listen, we're all participating in Jesus because we're all one body. And this church is a local expression of that oneness.